Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. I want to start today by thanking you for being with us and thanking you for the honor that it is that you would give this time to the Word of God. I don't take lightly the responsibility. I don't take lightly the reward that it is to be able to open the Word of God together with us every single week and to study it together and to get stronger and to get better. And so thank you for this time. Thank you for those of you who have continued to walk with us throughout this journey in uh, in online style church. It's an honor and a privilege to, to speak the Word. Today, I, I'm really truly honored for this particular message. In fact, I I got so excited while I was preparing that I've concluded we're going to do a series soon on the book of Jude, because that's what we're talking out of today. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Jude. You got to get there and get ready, because uh, it's only like a page and a half long, but it's so full of content. As you get in there, I want to ask you a question. Have you watched a, a good movie lately? Come on, anyone watched a good movie? Let us know in the chat if you've watched something that you really like. Now, for some, a good movie doesn't necessarily mean a movie that potentially is going to win an award. It might just mean a movie that made you laugh at a time you needed to laugh or a movie that helped you cry, I guess, at a time that you needed to to cry, something that, that struck a chord with you. Or maybe for some, uh, a great movie is a nostalgic movie. It's one they look back on and they're like, as I watch this, I remember what I was first feeling when I watched this or I remember where I first was when I watched this. And for some, it's it's the type of movie that... It makes you think about your own life. So it wasn't about laughing or crying. It's more just it helps you to kind of stop and contextualize your own thought. For some, you just like when things explode. And so a movie with some good car chases and good action. Anyone watched a good movie? It's, it's funny, isn't it? As you think back, like favorite movies, uh, like there are different maybe defining moments. Like if you don't like Space Jam, we might have a problem. It's a great movie. What a film. I don't know why it didn't win more awards. Not even joking. Uh, but... But I was thinking, you know, I have this kind of little uh, secret joy, I suppose. I actually love a good Sylvester Stallone movie. Like, for real. Now, best movie of all time? No. But I love watching, like, a good, sly movie. It's, it's just simple. It's straight up. It's in your face. By the beginning of the first opening scene, you know who the good guy is. You probably know who the bad guy is. Uh, they, they got guns. They probably are carrying grenades for some reason because people just carry grenades day to day. And, and it's like straight into the action. And I, I think the book of Jude is kind of like a Stallone film. Like it's just straight into action. There's no, no messing around, anything like that. Like you think with me, if you will, about, about like, like, I like Stallone movies enough that I saw The Expendables in theater. And not even the first one. One of the sequels. I just, I think it's uh, amazing to just go in and there's this long line of 60 plus 70 year old actors all, you know, tatted up and carrying grenades. Anyway, I, I, I thought of the, the first movie, the one that got it all started for Sylvester Stallone, which was Rocky. Rocky is all about being the number one contender. I think if you were to think, what is it to fight? What is it to be a fighter? What I'm trying to articulate or give a picture of is someone kind of like Rocky. And so today, as we look to the book of Jude, I want you to think about Rocky, if you will. He's the number one contender, and you're going to see why in just a moment. The book of Jude starts this way. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to those who have been called 
who are loved in God the Father and who are kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy and peace and love be yours in abundance. I love that mercy, peace, and love, he doesn't say, I want, want to add a little mercy to your life or add a little bit of peace to your life or add a little bit of love to your life. He actually is speaking of multiplication. And I think it's powerful to think that mercy, peace, and love actually cause one another to multiply in our life. So if you have more mercy in your life, you will have more peace in your life. And let me tell you, if you have more peace in your life, you're going to have more love in your life. He says this, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation that we share, I felt compelled to write you and to urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. I want you to, to, to kind of get this with me, this word contend. He goes, I had a great bestseller, motivational, exciting, fun, story-filled book that I wanted to write to you, but instead I felt compelled that like I had no choice. I had to go in this direction. I had to urge you to contend. I had to call on you to be the number one contender. Vivid, I'm, I'm saying this to you right now. There are a lot of fun type of sermons to preach. There are a lot of exciting little, you know, nuanced, uh, you know, stories we could tell. But today I feel compelled to challenge you to contend for your faith. As we finish this series worth fighting for, I don't want to just finish and say, there you go, guys. Now we've got faith. We're doing it. I want to call on you and challenge you to contend. You say, pastor, what's it mean to Contend. It's not really a word we use all that much. This word contend, it comes from a Greek word that's only used once in scripture. And it's used this very time. The only time that this specific word is used. And it actually means to agonize. This word contend, it's a word used in other literature speaking of combat fighters and wrestlers to actually go through the painstaking process not only of engaging in battle but going to the end so that you win the battle i'm challenging you the book of jude is challenging us to contend for our faith to agonize for our faith it's not pretending it's not even just tending it's contending that word like the c-o-n prefix actually means to intensify so you think of tending to something it's taking care of business He goes, I don't want you to just to take care of business. I want you to take care of business with whatever amount of intensity is required upon you. Even if it's agony, I want you to put everything you have into contending. For what? For faith. Fight for your faith. He goes, it's going to cost you. It's going to hurt. It's going to be everything it's going to take out of you. But fight for faith. Faith is worth the fight. It should be no surprise that we'd end you know, a series of messages on on faith with the thought of fighting. Because the end goal of faith is not that things get easier. The the theology of comfort that would uh, allow us to think or assume maybe the, the more we grow in our faith, the easier life gets. The more that we grow in faith and develop a relationship with Jesus, all of a sudden life gets easy and everything is without any worry or without any concern. That's false theology. It's just bad teaching. The truth is, the more you grow in faith, the more you realize what a fight and what a struggle this life is. But guess what? You're made for it. Faith, we talked about last week, is not just what we fight for, it's what we fight with. It's the end goal, but it's also the fuel that helps us in the fight. So he goes, I'm challenging you 
It would be great if I, if I just opened up and said, I want to tell you 10 great stories about salvation. Isn't it awesome being saved? And that would be a good book and it would be true. But he said, instead, I need to tell you, agonize over faith. Agonize for it. Put everything you've got into it. It's so worth the fight. Interestingly, also in, in the, the tense, the, the, the verb tense of this word contend, it's present infinitive. Meaning the fight that you're in for faith already started and it has no end to it. It's a right here and now fight. Your fight for faith is not, I got to prepare myself so one day when I need it, I will have it. It's, I need it right now and I'm never going to stop needing the type of life-giving faith that comes in knowing Jesus. I love what he says here. He goes, the faith that you're fighting for was once and for all entrusted to the saints. How cool is this? That, that our faith is not just a personal, individualized spirituality. He doesn't say, I want you to fight for your own concept of what it is to be a spiritual person. He goes, no, no, I want you to fight for real faith. The real faith that was defined by the one who gave it. This faith that was entrusted by Jesus to humanity. He's making this really specific call. He's like, the real, the real goods, like the true, real gospel, there's only one of them. And so saying, I don't know, I'm kind of a spiritual person who just pulls from different life experiences and I've, I've made like this stew of my own spirituality. That's my faith. He goes, that's not what I'm talking about. Fight for the real, legit gospel. The, the, the only thing that has the power to save us. You know, interestingly, the things that we're, we're willing to fight for or the things that we are willing to protect are, are such because they're valuable. We fight for what is, is valuable. I remember years ago, I was in Botswana, Africa, and we were on, uh, in a safari park and it was with some friends. We came in a van around a corner and, and we said, well, there's a rhino, like an actual white rhino coming out of the, the woods or the, the jungle. Everyone was so excited. It was like a place you were supposed to be able to see hippos and elephants. And But there was this beautiful, big rhinoceros. And it walked kind of right up to our vehicle. And, and, and not more than 10 or 15 meters behind the rhino was someone walking with a machine gun. And they were walking, like just kind of tracking the rhino with a machine gun. And, and one of the people I was with, they said, oh, that's so nice that they're here to protect us in case the rhino does something crazy. And we turned to him and said, no, they're actually here to protect the rhino from us in case one of us does something crazy. Like what they were making a statement of is this animal, this extinct, precious, unique animal is so valuable that we're watching out and nobody here do anything crazy. It's funny, isn't it? Like we, we protect the things that we value. You wouldn't leave your most, like think of your, your nicest item of clothing or, or something that you really, really value. Maybe you have a handbag that you love or a pair of sneakers that you love. You'd never just take them out and leave them on the, on the street corner. But there are some things in your house that need to go out on the street corner with a little sign that says free beside them because you don't need them anymore. They don't really have any type of value. In fact, it, it would be wild if you protected carefully your compost or your recycling. I feel like if someone wants to come look through my recycling bin and take that bottle back to the depot, good for them. They can go for it because it no longer has any value to me. And I want to ask you this question. As a believer in Jesus, as someone who's who's come to faith or someone who's working this faith thing out, how are you doing in this area? Is your faith something you treat with protectiveness? Is your faith something that you're fighting for? Is your faith something that you agonize for and you're willing to sacrifice for? And, and yes, it costs effort, but it's worth the fight. Or are you treating your faith like 
Old recycling. Are you treating your faith like, oh, just some bottles, I just leave them there. I'm sure they'll be there when I need them later. Are you treating your faith like a valued prized possession or just leftover? Jude is saying, I want to call you to realign your values. Fight for faith. Okay, I've talked a long time. This is why it's got to be a series. Because I don't even know if that's my intro. I'm just like super excited about what it is to be a contender. Again, think of Rocky, right? The preparation, the fight, the battles. There are a few moments where that battle is out in front of people and everyone's watching. There's a few defining moments where that, but the battle is actually day by day. It's not the glory. It's the grind. The, the battle is, is not for moments where, uh, you know, the championship belt is delivered. The battle is against our own apathy. The battle is against people who doubt. The battle is against just that hard work that it is to do the right thing. Well, here in Jude, he says this. Whew, I get excited about this. He goes, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped among you. They're ungodly people. They pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality. They deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. He says this, like, I'm just want to call out that it's easy under a banner of faith to have inconsistent values. It's easy under a banner of, you know, Christianity to have really inconsistent values. He's going, I'm calling you to contend to do it the real way, like to do it the right way, to do it with everything you have. Don't get stuck and trying to go after other things. And he goes on to explain a little bit of what that looks like. If I had more time, I would go into every single piece. He talks about unbelief and he talks about perversion and he talks about rebellion, but he gives these little examples. If you go down to verse 11, that I think uh, describe well the enemy of real faith. They describe not not the people, but the characteristics behind uh, that battle for faith. He says in verse 11, woe to them. They've taken the way of Cain. They've rushed after the prophet into Baal's, or Balaam's error and they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. You see, this is what I love about Jude's writing style. He's like, I just want to throw a couple more grenades, so I'm not going to take a long time with dialogue here. Let me, in one verse, define three very different historical uh, stories that carry with them incredibly different consequence. He says this, first of all, uh, taking the way of Cain. Now, the way of Cain, if you look back into the book of Genesis, the way of Cain is Cain is religious without faith. Cain and Abel, they were brothers. Abel brought the offering that God asked for. He brought his offering first, and he brought what was best. Cain brought an offering as well. Cain just brought it after he was assured that he had what he needed. And that position of placement, of timing, It was an indication of faith. Abel said, the first thing I have, it goes to God. Cain said, if I have enough left over, it goes to God. Both outwardly, we could look at and say, wow, they're doing religious, idealistic things. But Cain lacked faith. Because Cain lacked faith, God said, Abel, this offering that you've brought is incredible. I love it. He said, Cain, I'm not really sure what to do with that. This is... Like, I'm not looking just for your sacrifice. I'm not looking just for you to check boxes about being religious. I actually just want your heart. This doesn't show any heart. In fact, it shows a lack of heart. Do you know what the way of Cain leads to? What religion actually leads to? Is it leads to an incredible amount of comparison. 
Now, here's the, here's the thing we need to contend against. If you are struggling in your life right now with comparing yourself to others, it might be that there's a religious spirit that you need to contend against. It might just be that you're trying to keep score and saying, I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing all the... And so Cain, his comparison actually leads him to murdering Abel. Can you imagine that? The first set of brothers in the Bible, Cain and Abel, one murders the other. Talk about some family problems. So, the way of Cain. I don't know if anyone here has had a plot to kill your brother. I'm sure none of you here have had a moment where where two sacrifices were brought and God said this one's good and this one's not. But we all have to contend with this religion. Isn't it amazing that religion actually combats true faith? A person who's just simply tried to have the, the facade of religion actually is missing the mark completely in faith. And Jude said this, I want to warn you that amongst you, There are some people who are just doing this for a game. They're just doing it for religion. Don't be that person. Agonize and contend. Get that out of your life. It's going to lead you to comparison. It's going to trap you and destroy you. And then he says this uh, about Balaam. He said, they've rushed for profit into Balaam's error. Now again, this is a totally different story, totally different context. There's this man named Balaam. He was a prophet and, and he was enticed by uh, riches. A, a king who was against God's people came to him and said, I'm going to pay you to put a curse on God's people. Balaam said, no, no, I can't do that. That's, that's not the game I play. That's not the way I do this thing. So what did the king do? He sent more riches, uh, a more prestigious delegation and said, there's actually more in it for you than you can imagine. And all of a sudden Balaam went, well, yeah, for that much money. Isn't it interesting that, that a love of money a desire for uh, the acquisition of wealth and things actually can entice us to compromise. And the same would be true for you and I. If we're going to contend for faith, we're going to fight for faith, we're going to agonize over this and be ready for those moments of glory. We've got to win in the grit. We've got to win in the grind that it is to fight against that love of money. Fight against that thing that could lead us to compromise. It's amazing the number of things that people have compromised over for the right dollar sign. I mentioned it last week, and if you missed, go back and watch the message on YouTube. I, I just mentioned that thought that that the love of money, here's a great way to ask yourself the question, what have I given up in order to get more money, and what am I giving my money up in order to get? That's some really good defining value questions. Jude just says, I just want to call out that even amongst amongst you, there's some people like Cain who are just being religious, and it's going to lead to this weird comparison that traps them. There's some people like Balaam who have become enticed by money, and it's going to lead to some compromise. There's some people, he says, thirdly, like Korah. Again, a totally different story. Korah was a Levite, and Korah wanted Aaron's job. Aaron was a priest. And it's just this really simple animosity that exists because Korah had a rebellious spirit. He had no ability to submit. He's like, I am not going to look up to Aaron because I think I should be in Aaron's role. Like if we're being really real, how many of us have ever dealt with a rebellious spirit? How many of us have ever dealt with having to to fight to submit to authority because it's a challenge? Do you know what rebellion leads to? It leads to a critical spirit. It leads to actually pointing out the flaws in everybody else. Maybe the best way to ask yourself the question is, do I struggle with some rebellion in my heart? Is how critical are you towards other people? You see, Korah actually had things to do that God had called him to do and designed him for. He had a great purpose. He just wanted Aaron's purpose. And so not only did he desire what wasn't his, but he stopped doing what he was supposed to do 
because he was critiquing what Aaron was supposed to do. How often can we stop doing the thing we're supposed to do because we're pointing a finger at someone else? Oh, somebody hurt me, therefore I won't develop the type of character that I should have. Why, why does their role in fulfilling what they're called to do affect your role in fulfilling what you're called to do? Man, man, I was hurt in this church setting before, and so now I, I am going to, uh, you know, hurt other people. Well, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy to say that I'm gonna build my response upon what I see others doing. That critique of others will actually be a trap to you. Now again, what Jude is not doing is saying amongst you there's three guys. Their names are Jim and Steve and Daryl over there. Those three guys, you got to get them out. He, he's actually speaking of, of personality types or, or hang-ups. And I believe they exist in different measures in all of us. So he's saying amongst us, if we let those things continue to manifest and exist, we're going to miss the plot. We're going to be this organization called church and not actually have any of the real goods that come with this life of faith. He describes them very quickly in this way. Those that follow Calum or uh, Cain or Balaam or Korah. He says, these people, listen to the beauty of this poetic language. These people are blemishes at your love feasts. They're eating with you without the slightest qualm. They're shepherds who feed only themselves. They're clouds without rain. That's like smog. They're blown uh, along by the wind. They're autumn trees that bear no fruit and are uprooted. They're twice dead. They're like wild waves of the sea, just bringing up debris on the shore. They're foaming up their shame. They're wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. I mean, that is some good writing right there. It's, it's like a sentence long. And he's saying, this is what that is like. It's not the type of wave that you say that's beautiful. It's actually just bubbling up shame. It's not the type of tree that you say is fruitful. It's actually just uprooted and dead. It's not the type of cloud that brings refreshing. It's actually just full of, of smog. And then he does this, and I think it's the most crucial thing for us to understand today. He stops talking about the enemy completely. Wouldn't you think that, that if it was a fight of faith, and we're talking all about fighting, that then the whole focus should be on our opponent? Wouldn't you think that then the whole focus should be on understanding and psychoanalyzing the, the type of battles that come against us? But actually, his whole focus on what it is to actually do the work of contending is actually focused on ourselves. It's work we need to do. And so I say all that because if someone stopped the message right now, they might think, wow, that pastor's really angry at different types of people as if he's got it all together and he's nailing it and he's perfect. No, no, I'm saying these are the things that can exist in me. These are the things that I know can exist in vivid church and in every church everywhere. These mentalities, the, the religious spirit that can creep in, the, the desire for wealth that can creep in, a rebellion that can creep in. And how do we fight those? Well, we don't just walk around saying, that's rebellious, you need to stop. That's a love of money. No, no. We work internally. And so I want to challenge you very quickly to three different ways that we fight to become the number one contender. First, you need to look inward. Write it down if you're taking notes. I'm going to look inward. Look at what he says, uh, verse, verse 20. He says, but you, dear friends, build yourself up in the most holy faith and pray in the spirit and keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So he says this, focus inward. 
Don't make your focus calling out the rebellion of others, calling out the inconsistencies of others, critiquing everyone around you. Make your focus as, I'm going to build myself up in faith. You could also properly translate this, build upon faith. In other words, if you believe in Jesus, great place to start. That's the best foundation. But keep on building your life on that belief. Don't build your life in inconsistency saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's like that empty lot over there, but I'm building my house on my own achievements. Like build your house on a foundation that's going to last. Actually put all your best effort upon that faith. So can you integrate your faith into every part of your life? If there's a part you can't, I don't know if that needs to be there. If you say, I got my faith, but then I also have my friends and they're totally different. Build your friendships on the foundation of your faith. I got my faith and then I got my business. Build your business principles on the foundation of your faith. I got my faith and then I got my family. Totally different personal life. No, no, build your family upon your faith. It's going to be the type of life that lasts. He says, build yourself up in the faith and pray in the spirit. It was John Calvin, I believe, who said no one actually has the ability to pray unless the spirit leads them there. Like we pray really bad prayers unless God's spirit is at work. And that is amazing how often the spirit is at work within us. How often it is we go, oh, I could pray about that. Guess what? When you follow through, you're actually doing a spiritual thing, not a religious thing. When you say, I should pray about that, and then you actually pause to pray about that, it's a spiritual thing that's taking place. We could talk a lot about praying pray prayers of the Spirit, but it begins with actually just praying prayers in all occasions. He says, build yourself on faith, pray in the Spirit, and keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself in God's love. I want to tell you this and I want you to catch it. You cannot keep yourself holy. You can't. You can't. But, so holy, H-O-L-Y. You can't keep yourself holy. But, you can keep yourself holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. You can keep yourself wholly committed. You can keep yourself completely in the love of God. That means when you falter and fail, you repent and you draw near to God again. You can't keep yourself perfect. That's not the fight of faith. I will now fight against ever wanting to sin. You're going to struggle. You're going to fall. But you can always keep yourself in the love of God. And he's the one who's able to keep. So focus inward. Focus upward. He says this, wait on God. There's a power in waiting. There's a power in waiting on God. God's the one who brings that strength. I love this about, about Jude. You know, Jude is actually the biological brother of Jesus. But he describes himself as the beginning. He says, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's like, the most important thing you need to know about me is not my biology. It's not that I've always been in this. It's that I'm in this now. It's that like I am actually presently in this now. And for a lot of people, they go, yeah, I'm a Christian. I grew up in church. But, but how is it going now? Keep yourself in God's love. Wait upon the Lord. So focus inward and upward. I'm working on building my life on faith and praying prayers of the Spirit and keeping myself in the love of God, not disqualifying myself when I fail, but drawing near to His mercy. I'm waiting upon Him. And then lastly, he says, focus outward. And the outward focus is not going on the attack. It's being protective. He goes, when it comes to people outwardly around you, not throwing hate, but throwing love. He says this, be merciful to those who doubt. Vivid Church, let's do this. Be merciful to those who doubt. There's something beautiful when a person is willing to share with you the doubt that they have. Be merciful with them. Listen through it. Don't say, I'm going to stop you right there. You shouldn't be thinking those things. Let's dialogue and talk about it. Our outward focus is not to point flaws. It's to be merciful. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have some urgency about the people you care about. Don't say, one day if the opportunity is just right, I'll make a dip. Have some urgency. 
snatch them from the fire. And then he says, and to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. In other words, he goes, show mercy, but don't get caught up in the same sort of things. Be careful as you are engaging in bringing love and compassion to the people around you that you still hold the line and do what is right. Whole bunch to go on there. Imagine if I just end now, I'm like, there, now we're people of faith. It's going to be some contending. It's going to be some work. To bring it all the way back to Rocky, I think the best part about Rocky is actually Creed. I've loved these these newer movies. It's the, it's the next generation of those principles. You play out those principles and it results in something better. And so today, I actually want to give you a next step as we finish this series. It's not to say there, we did it. It's to say now let's grow. When this service ends, you're going to be taken to a link that takes you to, remember the intro video for this series? Beautiful put together piece of art with some statements. Those statements are actually daily affirmations that have scripture to back each one of them. I want to challenge you. It'll take you about three minutes. Look through that again and look at those scriptures. And if you're feeling any one of those things, like I'm tired or, or I'm a contender, if you're feeling like I am pressed or you're feeling like I am going to win, whatever that is, take some time with those scriptures, apply them to your life. And let's keep on growing together. That's going to live on our YouTube channel like everything does. And if you're watching right now, you've not yet subscribed, do that. Help yourself continue to grow because we're going to keep on going together. But for now, I want to pray. And then we're going to finish by focusing all of our attention on Jesus. Because Jude ends with this beautiful doxology. I'm not able to keep myself, but he is. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for every person here today. I thank you that you've called us to this fight of faith. You've asked us to be the number one contender. And so help us in our battle against our own issues to build our life on faith, to pray spiritual prayers, to to keep ourselves in your love, to wait upon you. Help us outwardly to have a merciful attitude, an urgent attitude, and an upright attitude. In your name we pray. And right now, if you don't know Jesus, you can make that step very simply. It begins with, with saying this, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I'm trusting you with my life. I give you my life. And if you pray that prayer today, faith has begun and it's a, a fight you'll continue to walk through. We'd love to do that with you. If you're praying a prayer like that, let us know in the chat. We want to keep encouraging you in that. Love you so much. Why don't we stand where we are or, or, or turn our volume back up a little bit louder and join in in this simple song, Jesus, Only You. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.